Hello, I'm Kate Ball and I'm the founder of Mini First Aid. Welcome to our podcast, Family Health by Mini First Aid. It's great to hear that you've been enjoying our new Family Health podcast series where we will continue to bring you top family health advice from our leading experts. So this week is a bit different to our usual podcast folks because I'm joined by writer Jackie Burton and I'm going to be chatting. In fact, Jackie's going to be interviewing me about stroke. And I'm going to be talking about my own experience with my lovely dad, because I know just how firsthand stroke can affect the whole family and the long road to recovery that it takes the whole family on. Series one of Family Health by Mini First Aid Podcast is sponsored by Savlon Scar Prevention Gel. Savlon Scar Prevention Gel helps soothe pain, promote faster healing, as well as reducing the risk of scarring when used on minor wounds, superficial burns and grazes. With six children in my house, scrapes and cuts are plentiful. So my first aid box saviour is Savlon Scar Prevention Gel. Thanks for joining me today. Um, I know that you've got a lot going on at Mini First Day at the moment, not least this new adult class. Um, but I just wanted to speak to you a little bit more about family, if okay. you don't mind. Yeah, of course. And more specifically, about your mum and dad. Yeah. Um, can you tell me, first of all, a little bit more about your mum and dad? About my mum and dad. Yes. So, my mum and dad live in Bristol, which is where I was brought up. I think, I don't think they'll ever forgive me for living in Leeds, so far <laughs> away from them. They're not tempted to move up here? Yeah, I think we're trying hard to persuade them, but life is good in Bristol for them. Um, and my mum has had a career of, that had quite a lot of variety. She was a primary school teacher. Um, right up until when I was born, then she ran her own business, mm-hmm. um, uh, doing children's music classes, which if she'd done anything franchise-wise with now, could be huge. She was ahead of her time. Um, and then actually, in later life, she became a, a Baptist minister, so she trained to be a vicar. Uh, and she went to ministerial college, trained to be a minister, and had a, a number of churches in Bristol. Um, where she led the services and funerals and weddings and, and what have you and she's mm-hmm. now retired um, and then my dad um, my dad uh, has always worked in the postal industry right uh, he's in, a bit of an entrepreneur though isn't he he is he, he is yeah that's right so um he had worked he was on, on the board of the directors of a big postal firm uh, and then he had an idea right um as you always do entrepreneurs and he set up a postal consultancy business right uh, which uh, he sold uh, a few years back and has now retired uh, from. But he, I guess, both him and actually thinking about it with my mum and her running her business as well is mm. that there's always been that entrepreneurial influence uh, influence for me mm. from my from my mum and dad. Yeah, but so then, it's, it's what you grow up knowing. Yeah, absolutely. But they're still just like my regular mum and dad. You know, yeah, they yeah. told me off when I was a kid, and now we have a lovely relationship, and um, hopefully, I do am proud. Oh, I'm um, sure you do. Yeah. I'm sure you do. Do you find does your dad? Sort of try and give you advice about running Work. a business? Absolutely. I mean, as in we enlist his advice. So actually, oh, okay. he, we very actively take uh, advice uh, and consultancy from him because right. he has so much experience and also because he's been on that growing pain journey mm. of when you have an idea and you've got a great business and you know it's good and it's doing all good stuff, but then there might be some teething issues and what have you. Yeah. Um, he's good. And he's also, his financial acumen is fantastic. So actually, from that side of stuff, on an operational side of our business, he mm. is amazing. Yeah, he's great. 
And your dad has had his own sort of health sort of issues, battles, yeah. hasn't he, more recently? Yes, he has. So he, um, over the years, uh, he's had a, a, a number of issues that have caused him discomfort. He's had to have some major surgery. He had an aneurysm, for example. But I guess the most significant mm. for us all, as well as him, was the fact that he experienced a stroke um, a few years back, which was pretty mega and yeah. had some pretty mega impact for him and for all of us. And was, it, was your mum with him at the time? Yeah, so when he had the stroke, um, we were all there. Now you talk about fate and the way that yeah. time works. You mean you and all kids and everything? Yeah, everybody. We were staying because it was just before my mum's 70th birthday. And right. we were in Bristol in preparation for her big party. And so we had arrived in Bristol. My dad had gone to watch the beloved Bristol City, to which he's a diehard fan. He'd gone to watch a Bristol City match and actually some of the people that were with him at that match had said he'd been different, that they'd seen that he was a bit agitated and things weren't quite right. Right. But he came home mm. from that game and it was an evening game and when he got back we had just gone to bed so we didn't actually see him but my mum called me, we were upstairs sleeping in a spare room yeah. and said, Kate, Kate, you need to come down, you need to come down. and. Dad was in their room, right. lying down, and but he was he was conscious. Yeah, well, so it, he was conscious. He was absolutely conscious, but he was behaving in a very strange way. Right. So, if you didn't know him better, you would think that he just had a lot to drink mm. because he was just a bit all over the place, and he was poking his tongue out out of his mouth in a strange direction, and things were sort of spasming and things were happening. Now, I know enough about stroke mm. from my training to know that there's a test that you do around face oh, and okay. seeing if there's changes in the face and arms, so asking people to move their arms. Did you do that then? Yes, we right. did, and speech. So we were talking to him, and in talking to him, his speech wasn't clear, it was slurred. Okay. Which again, you could think actually could, could be um, somebody who'd had a lot to drink, but it was it was quite obvious. And because we knew him, we were like, this isn't this yeah. isn't right. It's very slow. And then the key thing then is the time factor, which is mm. that you've got to take a clock of the time, right. but then know that if you suspect somebody's having a stroke, it's calling the emergency services there and then. Um, so time is of the essence at that. Absolutely, with, right, absolutely. Okay. So what was happening to my dad's body is that he had a blood clot, which had travelled around his body and had travelled to his brain, that's what causes the, the stroke. Right. And what you have then is a small window to get that sorted. In other words, he has to be given mm -hmm. some anti-clotting medication to break down that clot, to yeah. stop the impact of the stroke. And the outcome for somebody after a stroke is often determined by how quickly that initial medical intervention happens. So we called 999, and we had the paramedics were actually and you sometimes hear about this in the news they were actually at another call right but because it was a stroke it was prioritized for the paramedics to leave whatever they were dealing with and come to us as a more uh, higher rated mm -hmm. issue that came to us um it was very obvious from the paramedics first analysis that he was having a stroke he was upstairs in a first floor bedroom so they had to put him on a trolley walker down the stairs right. um, and take him to hospital but he had administered that anti-clotting medication i think it was within the hour it was really really mm -hmm. quick 
But even with that, because it was such a mega stroke, mm. what happened for my dad is he lost all the feeling in the left side of his body. So his arm and his leg um, and all the movement associated with that. Mm-hmm. Um, he had some sensation, which is key, so they were able to test that he could feel things. But he has, since that stroke, yeah. had to go through the most rigorous uh, physio and rehabilitation. To get the side of the body moving To get again, everything or... working again. Right, okay. Yeah, get everything working again. So first of all, that was getting him to walk. Yeah. But then it was also around actually the fine motor skills. So mm-hmm. being able to hold cutlery, hold a mug, carry a plate, that sort of stuff. And the other thing that's happened is it's quite significantly affected his balance. So it means that sometimes he might stumble or even sometimes fall mm-hmm. because his balance isn't where it used right. to be. And we're a number of years on now. He's still having some really quite cutting edge physio. In fact, he's um, he's part of a big pilot scheme, uh, which is in partnership with Stroke Association and all sorts of uh, specialist bodies mm-hmm. where he wears a VR headset and he has to do gaming and use his left oh, hand right. for gaming. Almost exercising his brain. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's right. Because right it's words. retraining yeah. the, uh, as well as the muscles, because yeah. you, you, you have that muscle wastage, but it's also about the fact that it's retraining his brain to make those connections. So whereas I might look at a fork and go, I've got to pick that up with my left hand, and then I turn it and I start cutting my dinner, mm-hmm. Dad's mm. brain has to be retrained. Right. And it's pretty grim, mm. I think is fair to say. You know, I think there's been periods of time for him where he's been hugely frustrated by things not doing what mm. he needs them to well, do. Well, especially if you're very capable... Absolutely. You know, or before you were very capable, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. You know, very active, mentally very active as absolutely. well. Absolutely. You know. Um, so that's been, and he also found initially that he was hugely tired as well, exhausted, right. because the whole pressure of having a stroke on the brain is exhausting for mm. the body. Um, so would you say though, you know, going back to this whole thing about being, you know, you've got to be quick, quick off the mark. Yeah. You have to act quickly um, in terms of, um, you know, ringing the emergency services. Has that signif- would has that significantly improved his chances of recovery? Absolutely, yeah, yeah right, absolutely. Okay. So we know, and I think actually probably more from my dad as well, because he goes to a specialist clinic where he sees people who have had a stroke and are uh, perhaps still in a wheelchair or perhaps still not managing independent daily living at all and Mm. actually probably won't be able to as a result of their stroke. You quite often hear sometimes that perhaps people have had a stroke when they've been asleep so therefore it's not been until they've woken um, or people that are on their own. This time factor is so important Um, and it just it has to be in our teaching Mm -hmm. at Mini First Aid. We have to, people have to recognise it, know what it's going to be like, know what their instincts should be and also understand this time factor mm-hmm. and how quickly you have to ring the emergency services and what you're telling the emergency services as well to make sure, like my dad, that you get that priority and you get that ambulance mm-hmm. so that they can get you to hospital so that they can start the treatment as quickly as possible. And so was your dad in mind when you were sort of creating the Absolutely, course. he'd kill me for it, he'd kill me for it because, you know, he's very, what, he wanted it to be an yeah, no, 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 he, he absolutely wants it to be mentioned, right. he's a huge, he's a, he's a, you know, he now donates and fundraise to the Stroke Association and he's, you know, he's p- taking part in all these pilots, he's going to speak at a conference soon about the fact that how his treatment has been for his stroke, so he's absolutely on board with that education, it's just that it's about him, you know, and he's a very yeah. selfless guy, mm-hmm. and so he's like, oh, it doesn't need to be about me, it needs to be for other people. 
And he's right, because actually he had a very, very lucky escape in certain respects. And although his journey is tough and sometimes he gets very fed up and we feel frustrated for him and gutted for him and gutted for my mum and all those things and all that trauma that went with it, actually his outcome has been very positive mm -hmm. and we just want that to be the case for more people. So, so stroke education. And there are different types of stroke. So I've just talked to you today about my dad's and that, you know, it's understanding more about stroke and the differences, but that key thing, that fast mechanism, but also then how you get, get your emergency help. Mm -hmm. So it's quite groundbreaking in a way, including that inner first aid course, because classically you think of the elements that mm. would be included. Yeah. You wouldn't necessarily think about stroke, would you? So many first aid are kind of doing something a little bit. That's right. I mean, you would sometimes different. see uh, stroke referenced in a uh, one of the longer qualification courses. Yeah. But generally, bystander first aid, that, that bit that's just that I need the know-how, mm -hmm. is it's not necessarily always on a on a curriculum for a short a short mm -hmm. course. Um, and then there's also this perception that perhaps it only happens to the very elderly. Yeah, well, I was going to say that. So my dad wasn't even 70 when this happened. And we hear cases of much younger people mm. experiencing stroke. So what we don't want to do is just make this assumption, oh, it's only elderly people, because mm. that's not the case at all. Yes, there's a higher prevalence, but actually recognising it in everybody mm -hmm. and knowing that action to take. And so... You know, I don't, this isn't just a personal agenda for Kate Ball to know that everything that's affected my family is sitting in a course. Mm. But I would also go as far to say, we're a pretty regular family. Yeah. And if we've had these two massive yeah. impacts on our lives, yeah. my brother's cardiomyopathy and my dad's stroke, then that could be other families too. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like we have this, this almost this obligation to provide this education for everybody in a really accessible way. Mm -hmm. And just looking at sort of beyond the, you know, what you're doing with your, you know, the, the new adult awareness course, sort of your big, you, you know, your, your big dreams for Mini First Aid, because surely, you know, you set up the business, you know, it was a small business in 2014 and it's grown and you've been on Dragon's Den, you know, you've got 80 odd franchises, you, you train tens of thousands of children every week, never mind adults. You know what? Where do you want to? Where do you want to take things in terms of first aid education and mini first aid? <laughs> everybody, right? <laughs> you know, if you could say it's just a small the thing, number of everyone. people that say to me, "Okay, everyone should know this." Mm. Absolutely, everybody should know it. Mm. You know, and there isn't a standard. It's a life thing that you have to do. You know, because we're, as adults, we make decisions about what we learn about. You know, it's mm. not a forced thing that you have to do. If it's part of your job, it may be. But for everybody else, what I want to do is raise it into their conscious awareness that this is something that they have to have. Mm -hmm. It's a life skill. Yeah. You know, think about it like driving a car, perhaps, or knowing how to swim, or some yeah. of those things that we people say, oh, you've just got to know how to do it. Mm -hmm. But I go as far as to say anything that you do in daily life, if you haven't got that knowledge, then you put you and potentially others around you at risk of the outcome not being as positive. So surely, surely, yeah. two hours of learning Mm. and then knowing what you're doing is just an investment that's just a no-brainer you yeah. know people should do it um but that's a challenge that's a challenge because that's my viewpoint and i'm very passionate about it and so i need to make sure that people get on that you know on board with me as well and go yep kate i agree with you um and we don't get much pushback but i think it's raising it into that conscious awareness of people going yeah okay that's me 
and by making a course that's short mm -hmm. it means that people are more likely to do the training yeah and perhaps somebody go oh, i don't really have two days to do a big first aid course that well, lasts that's for a two deception days. always isn't yeah. it that, oh you, you hear someone oh i've got to do a first aid course at work it's a day or it's two days mm. Not saying that say that about mini first aid course. I just mean there is there, there is definitely that perception. Mm. It's a commitment. Big undertaking. It's a commitment. Yeah. But also, when you're doing it for work, you're there as your work capacity, yeah. and you're released from work. And not always, but most people are also on their paid time when mm. they're there. But when you're giving up a piece of your own personal time, mm -hmm. you've got to be really bought into why you're doing it. Yeah. And whether that's stroke, whether that's heart attack, whether that's burns somebody choking, all those things just need two hours of your time to know what you're doing. And ultimately to save, Put it save in your life, lives. Life toolkit, you've yeah. got it, you know what you're doing. Mm. Thank you. Pleasure. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Family Health by Mini First Aid. Please check out and subscribe to our social channels to keep up to date with all of our latest episodes. If you'd like to watch the full video podcast, head over to YouTube where you will be able to view the Family Health podcast in full footage. Or if you prefer to continue listening to us just on audio, please subscribe via your preferred podcast platform. If there are any topics that you would like us to discuss in the future, perhaps there's a family health issue that you would like to know more about, then please do get in touch. We would love to hear from you as we're planning for our second series. Please do let us know what you think about the topics we've covered so far as well. Thank you so much for listening to Family Health by Mini First Aid. I take Savlon Scar Prevention Gel everywhere with me so that I'm always prepared for the many little and sometimes bigger accidents that my kids encounter. Thank you again to Savlon Prevention Gel for sponsoring Series 1 of the Family Health by Mini First Aid podcast.